electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Tech under pressure once again as the 10-year flirts with 181. Got the VIX near 21. Very busy week ahead. CPI Wednesday, Powell's confirmation hearing, Q4 earnings kicking off with the banks on Friday. Our roadmap begins with the S&P going for five straight declines. NASDAQ futures down 1% despite some early hopes that Omicron may be peaking on the East Coast. Plus, take two is buying Zenga. Yeah, it's not too early to buy Zenga. <laughs> for 12.7 billion, CEO Strauss Zelnick will join us this hour. And the CEO of Gilead is going to join us from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference in just a few moments. Uh, we are dealing, Jim, with some uh, critical support levels on the NASDAQ 100 today. Yeah, I think it could break down. I mean, when you start the morning, say, very early, and obviously interest rates not really doing anything, uh, it looks like that's the day that it's going to bounce. We keep seeing this. And then uh, rates start ticking up. Uh, Bitcoin goes down, by the way. Crypto does... You know, Crypto seems to play a role in this thing now. And then, David, next thing you know, there's most of the stocks that we follow are down two, three, four points without anything other than uh, no research. They're just down. It's, it was a rough week last week, it's to put it mildly. Um, you know, the indexes, as we often say, don't tell the story. No. That sort of tells the story of Apple and Microsoft but not really the story of so many of these technology names that you, Jim, have pointed out many times, particularly the higher multiple names with perhaps not as much earnings as you'd like, but even those with fairly strong earnings and growth, significant growth, but nonetheless high multiples, getting hit and getting hit hard. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, I mean, I saw a downgrade today of Airbnb. Now, Airbnb is doing pretty well, but doing pretty well is not inspiring any buyers anymore. And I think one of the things that happened is, is that we have so many companies that look like other companies, David. I can't keep track of them. And I follow a lot of companies. But they're all, you know, software as a service for the X industry. You know, and the, no one wants these stocks, David. There's no backing. No one wants them. They came public. And now to hell with them. To hell with them. To hell with them. How long does that go on for? I, I'm thinking they have no sponsor. I mean, these people who did these SPACs, Carl... Did they understand the way Wall Street works, which is that you need analysts to get behind them and then stay behind them and be able to give us numbers? Most of these companies, we have no numbers. So if you're any sort of fiduciary, you can't buy us back. There's no no there there. Your point about the Airbnb downgrades interesting. Um, it is Piper. They go to neutral largely on the idea that travel uh, trends are normalizing. They argue that at least Americans are getting desensitized to virus headlines. They're going to go back to traditional hotels. Uh, and as uh, Dr. Gottlieb on Face the Nation over the weekend suggested that we might be seeing some peaking cases in parts of the East Coast. Here's what he said. 
if you look what's happening across the East Coast right now, New York City, Washington, D.C., Maryland, probably Florida as well have already peaked, maybe Delaware and Rhode Island. You're going to start to see that in the statistics this week. You're going to start to see those curves, those epidemic curves bend down. You're already seeing that in New York City and Washington, D.C. Hospitalizations are down relative to cases, but cases are up substantially, so it's pressing hospitals. Many of the hospitals on the East Coast are going to reach or surpass their previous hospitalization totals. Uh, fun strat data last night, Maryland, uh, Maine, D.C., all 10 percent below the peak. Yeah. I, it, candidly, I, I don't want to minimize this, but it's become something people are like, OK, uh, it's not. No, no one's what I, what I call in high school sweating the program. Nope. I mean, David, don't you find I mean, you probably saw people, you, you know, in various parts of your workplace that they have a runny nose. You just figure they, they have got COVID. COVID and they did. Uh, but no, they did. say that they tested. I mean, like B, when I, I gave it to point, Carl, I tested like seven times, sat down next to Carl, doesn't matter. We don't know. We don't know when it clicks in. We do know it, that testing yesterday, it, it's yes. like, you know, a hamburger today. It doesn't really help you. Listen, no. I, I, you know, if you uh, have three shots in you, you really don't appear to have that much to be concerned about. You may get sick, but right. you're highly, highly likely not to end up in the hospital. By the way, we should point out a number, of these, a number of these hospitalizations, and it's hard to measure exactly, but a significant percentage, let's call it, are people who went to the hospital for something else and right. then were that tested for COVID and right. had it, but that was not why they were in the hospital. Right. And a lot of carriers. But let me go back to the Airbnb just as a metaphor for what's going on. I mean, last week we were told to buy Airbnb because of Omicron. Now we're told to sell Airbnb because Omicron peaking. Well, what does that do to people? People just say, you know, I'm not playing this silly game. I'm just not going to be involved. So you have retail just stepping aside. You have the institutions just looking at the tenure and saying, I, I, I want nothing to do with it. And then you have uh, ARC with a big insider selling. That's where I was going, ARC. Just I'm literally pun- pun- uh, punching it up as you. ARC? Yeah. As you yeah, well, ARC's not that good. No. 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 And, you know, ARC was a. It, like the era ended. And yet, Carl, uh, no one thought that the era, I mean, these stocks have been going down, the ARC stocks, for months and nobody cared. Yep. And then so, suddenly people like woke up and said, wow, these are bad that's stocks. That's a great point. And uh, B of A had a note over the weekend. Fundamentals in growth tech have been sloppy since July, which has nothing to do with rates. And they do Adobe, CRM, PayPal, Amazon, Snap, Twitter, Twilio, DocuSign, Zoom. We've been through this for months. Yes, we have. Uh, a lot of those are actually doing well, but it just didn't seem to matter. Well, that research piece from last week that you and I went back and forth on from UBS about CRM and Adobe definitely got some people's attention. Yeah. It, I mean, maybe you're looking for more reasons to sell, and that's just yet another one. I think so. I mean, CRM has been tight as a drum in terms of trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, there, there's not anyone who's indicating that things are weak. Now, now I had uh, Ashanti Narayan on for Adobe. Adobe an upcoming meeting. Adobe was very forthcoming about what was right and what was wrong. And yet suddenly uh, people were taking down price targets everywhere. Now, everyone was taking the same people were taking down price targets. We're taking them up on the same set of numbers. So, I mean, I find, Carl, the difficulty I have is that if I'm just going to look at the tenure and everyone's looking at the tenure, well, then what edge do I have? I have no edge. Oh, the tenure. I mean, I remember there have been times when I was a hedge fund manager to be like, well, no, Jim, it, it, it's the third year. Yeah. Well, and to David's point about uh, absenteeism, look at Lulu today and the guidance yeah. out of Lulu, largely driven by Omicron-driven capacity supply constraints. And I hope it's not Mirror. I mean, I bought Mirror for my daughter. 
Muir comes in, I don't know, you know Muir, Dave? Uh, I know what it is, okay, yes. It comes in a I couple of pieces, it. which means you have to assemble. I mean, I'm done with that with Ikea. And the mirror comes. I can't lift the darn mirror. So it's been sitting in the hallway for the last three weeks. Right. I mean, like, I, what do I need? A hand truck? Yes. A magliner? Potentially. Well, I don't want to have to have a magliner be able to put together some mirror. Which, hire. by the way, mirror, mirror, not on the wall. If it breaks, it's like I'm done. you got to hire somebody to come in. Right, you have to hire someone. Well, yeah. David, that's suboptimal to have to hire someone to bring in a mirror. Why don't I? Have, I could. It's easier for me to hire a yoga instructor to come in. Uh, there's Lulu, which again is looking well, down on that. Uh, that's on the that, same chart as about 400 other folks. And there's a there's a some uh, comments from uh, the CEO. We started the holiday season in a strong position, since experienced several consequences of the uh, Omicron variant, and not being helped by this downgraded Nike. Oh this my, the downgraded Nike. Now Nike's been taking a it's just been a pinata. And remember, Nike's last quarter surprised to the upside. Well, that's just disappeared. Oh, my God. That's a really bad chart. There's uh, a lot of really bad charts. Yeah, well, I know. Which then begs the question, when is it time to consider for certain companies? Right. <laughs> well, I think You that, love this joke. That, no, it goes, like, back, goes back months, right? Yeah. Our Zynga joke. The copper stocks are up. Is it um, too early? David? Months. It goes back years, Carl. I think that Strauss Zelnick uh, changed the whole narrative in terms of whether it was too early to buy Zynga. We used to kid, of course, during Zynga's toughest years. And you were right, by the way, because the stock kept going down and we would always have a joke here. Is it too early to buy Zynga? Zynga. Was it too early for Strauss Zelnick? uh, But you like that Farmville or you like the Harry Potter? Which game do you like? I don't play the Farmville. I see a lot of people play some of the things on the subway. No, they just play Candy Crush. I mean, it's incredible. Candy Crush is owned by... Microsoft? No, by Activision Blizzard. Oh, Activision Blizzard. I mean, I sit there and I, you know, my wife is watching the mayor of Easttown and then the king of Easton, Knightstown, whatever. And like a lot of people, it's just, they multitask. You're watching the... The mayor of uh, I've watched mayor of East of Kingston. Let me or the mayor of I'm West, not watching the Kingstown. That's on. Is that on Paramount Plus? It's Paramount Plus. Which, by the way, there's We're a going to get to the Viacom. The Viacom no. By the way, the name you wanted to own this year was Discovery. Can you believe Come it? Come in, Jan now I want as much Discovery as possible, and it's not because of a uh, Bill Wong over at uh, you know. No. Find it. But have a Viacom today on a play of it could Discovery's be the next up twenty-seven percent. Of course, Jessica Reef got involved last week, sending it up higher. All right, can we get she's to the Reef? Can we get to the No, she isn't. I know. You gotta stay up today. She's not even Reef Cohen. She's something else. And forget. Whatever. All right. I call her that because that's how I remember. She's a very good analyst. Whatever yes. she goes by. Uh, let's get to the take two deal, guys, and just talk a bit about it. Uh, Nine eighty six a share. By the way, that will. There's a collar. We don't. You know, we see collars, but typically a larger company uh, of this size buying a smaller one. You're going to happy you had that collar, aren't you? Because take two looks like it's going to be down as much as ten percent. But that will not impact the overall value of the deal, at least until or unless take two goes below. Up oh, there, it is. It is below. Uh, the 156 of the bottom of the collar. So you will start to see a bit of value uh, erode Meaning, there. Meaning, in other words, take two can go right. down. The ratio, though, the collar is 156 to 181 or 182, and therefore the ratio changes within that to maintain the 636 hmm. in stock. Now, you're also getting $3.50 a share in cash. That adds up to your 986. By the way, Jim, interesting, all-time high here is higher. I mean, this stock was 12, 12 bucks, bucks in that's 21. That's why I looked at Strauss. I'm sorry. Yeah, in, right. in, in last so summer. So we can have Strauss on. I mean, the fact is, is that it's a big discount to where it was, it but he's paying the same price as what it was last year. But it also, no you takeover could, premium. You, no, uh, well, 64% premium. No, but I'm saying price. versus a year versus six months ago. Yeah. 
at, at the same time, there are a couple of things that are quite shareholder friendly for, uh, for Zenga shareholders. There is a 45-day go shop. I'm told by people who are familiar with the situation, the reason for that, we'll ask Strauss about it, is because there was no, they didn't shop it. There was no right. competitive process here. So you do have a 45-day go shop. Typically, we see those involved with uh, go privates, not as often in deals like this one. Uh, and it requires a vote on both sides. Uh, and you have the collar. So you could argue quite friendly to a certain extent for Zenga shareholders as well. But the real question is, does this bring another wave or a wave of consolidation within this industry? Not necessarily amongst the biggest. Right. Uh, Activision, which has had its own set of problems, EA and now Take Two. But But at that next level. Where where there are a number of assets that they're going to want to people might want to snap up. Do you think it's because Take Two needed more of a mobile presence? It's good mobile presence for them. They yes, kind of. But has Activision succeeded with that King deal? Remember they did oh, that deal. I think deal? it's been terrific for you them. Do. I, th- I think it's been cultural problems and the mi- missing of certain titles. By the way, I, I think Strauss may argue with this, but I do believe Carl that when you have a take two and they don't do a new, they miss their deadlines. A lot of guys miss their deadlines this year on new games, and that is the kiss of death on Wall Street. All right, you got to feed, got to feed the beast. There's no doubt about yes. that. Yes. Uh, when we come back, very busy week at the uh, J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. We'll talk about COVID and the company behind Remdesivir. Gilead's Daniel O'Day as that conference kicks off today, along with a bunch of calls, Dell, Amex, Medtronic, Viacom, our parent Comcast, Tesla, Exxon. There's futures. More Squawk on the Street in a moment. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Our Meg Terrell is covering the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference this week and joins us this morning with a special guest. Hi, Meg. Hey, Carl. That special guest is Gilead CEO Daniel O'Day. Dan, thanks for being with us this morning as we kick off our coverage of the conference. You know, I want to start by asking you about remdesivir, your COVID antiviral drug, as we're in the thick of Omicron right now. And we've been hearing a lot about the potential for this to be used similarly to the um, the antibody drugs, where if you can give it early before people are hospitalized, it can really be helpful. How much use are you seeing in that setting right now? Yeah, thanks, Meg. Thanks for having me. And um, remdesivir has really been uh, had a major impact upon this pandemic over the course of the past 
now uh, close to two years. Uh, it is the standard of care in the hospital setting. And in fact, uh, three out of five patients uh, that are administered to the hospital uh, are receiving remdesivir. And that's making a big difference for patients. It's, it's getting patients out of the hospital sooner, five to seven days sooner, and stopping them from going on to, to more severe consequences uh, of the disease. So, you know, uh, this is really a major impact, particularly at this time when hospitals are under such stress. Uh, and importantly, um, it's working across all known variants today, including Omicron. And, and thanks to the investment we made, we have, you know, adequate supply. And, you know, you also mentioned now the, the, the new data that came out and was just published in the New England Journal of Medicine in December, actually, just before Christmas, where a short course of remdesivir therapy given in the outpatient setting is close to 90 percent effective at stopping patients from going into the hospital setting. So this is making a big impact on the pandemic. And we certainly look forward to uh, making sure uh, that the NIH guidelines that now uh, have remdesivir in the outpatient setting are communicated to clinicians and to hospital centers to provide yet another options for patients with COVID. Right. And it's even more important now as we've lost so many of our treatment options and two of the antibody drugs because they've lost effectiveness against Omicron. Dr. Fauci has talked about three-day remdesivir as really being a solution that should be looked to. But it's three days of... Um, intravenous administration of this therapy, and we saw how difficult it was for even a one-time treatment with antibody drugs. Is our infrastructure set up to do this well? Well, I think the antibody drugs have helped uh, to make sure that the outpatient settings are more capable today than they were, let's say, 18 months ago at being able to deliver these outpatient infusions. Uh, I would say that, you know, uh, with 30 years of experience, uh, Gilead has a lot of experience in knowing that we're going to need multiple different options in the outpatient setting and in the hospital to really attack COVID and, and bring it to its knees. And, uh, you know, I, I think it won't be appropriate for all patients necessarily, but for those, um, for those centers that, are, uh, that have outpatient capability, this will be a very, very important tool, given the level of efficacy uh, and benefit this has for patients. And in addition, Meg, we're also working on an oral form of remdesivir. It's uh, going into early stage trials now. Uh, and uh, what we know for sure after 30 years of uh, experience in HIV is that we're going to need a lot of different mechanisms to be able to attack this virus, both in the hospital and outpatient. And Gilead stands firm and committed to making sure those therapies become available. Mm, and when you say oral, is that the inhaled version of remdesivir or are we talking a tablet that you swallow? We're talking a tablet that you swallow. So what we decided is that uh, given the fact that our tablet that you swallow was in about the same stage as the inhaled version, we're putting all of our resources into the oral version. Uh, and again, when one thinks about uh, our uh, you know, legacy in HIV, with a, with a disease like this that mutates frequently uh, and is involved in large populations, uh, we're uh, also uh, thinking that this will need uh, multiple different medicines, perhaps, for a, a patient to really be effective against all the potential future variants. So many of our HIV medicines, for instance, have two or three drug combinations in a single pill. So that's our strategy longer term, is to think about not only oral remdesivir, which is one way of fighting the virus outside uh, the hospital, but combining that but with potentially other types of ways of fighting the virus to really suppress this and get us into a stage where 
we can manage this disease on a daily basis and a yearly basis. Well, of course, you're working in other areas as well. And one uh, area that investors are very focused on is your uh, cancer drug Trodelvi and an expected uh, readout of a clinical trial in breast cancer, perhaps at the end of this month, early next month. What can you tell us about um, the timeline for that? Is that when you're still expecting it and your confidence in what that's going to look like? This is, uh, this is a really important point in time for Gilead because not only are we the leading company in antivirals, but we're evolving to a company that now has a leading portfolio in anti-cancer medicines, uh, of which uh, last year alone we had five new FDA approvals, four of which were in cancer. One is what you mentioned, Trodelvi, which is a medicine that brings uh, an anti-cancer killing agent directly to the cancer cells. And we've seen actually in late stage breast cancer, hard to treat late stage breast cancer, already it's approved and being used uh, in, uh, in, in women with this disease and more than doubling their survival. So this is a medicine, Trodelvi, that has the potential to be used across many different cancer types. And so we've got uh, now the, uh, the readout coming up that you mentioned in another type of breast cancer called hormone receptor positive breast cancer that we're expecting shortly, but many other cancer types as well, including lung cancer, where we've announced a variety of collaborations using Trodelvi that could eventually replace chemotherapy in combination with immunotherapies like the, the uh, immunotherapies that are on the market today. We've announced a collaboration this morning with Merck where we're looking at bringing Trodelvi in combination with Keytruda or their PD-1 agent into frontline non-small cell lung cancer after already announcing uh, a collaboration with them in frontline triple negative breast cancer. So there's a lot of promise here, Meg. We have more than, uh, uh, you know, we, we expect more than 20 new indications for cancer medicines coming out mm -hmm. of Gilead between now and the next decade. All right. Well, Dan O'Day, there's a lot of excitement there, especially for that readout. Thanks so much uh, for being with us, and we look forward to talking with you again soon. And guys, coming up, our Thank coverage you, of the Bradley. conference continues with Novavax CEO Stan Irk in the next hour. <clears throat> Carl, we'll toss it back to you. All right. Busy day for you, Meg. Thanks, uh, Meg Terrell. Still to come this morning, Take-Two Interactive CEO Strauss Zelnick on his company buying Zynga in that cash and stock deal. Of course, Zynga shares soaring on the news. But take a look at futures. NASDAQ's down four straight, close to a three-month low, and looks to start in the red again today on a busy week. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Going to see some selling pressure here at the open. Uh, Dow futures indicated down 100 plus, NASDAQ uh, 200 plus. The opening bell is in less than five minutes. Don't go anywhere.
before we get started with trading here at the New York Stock Exchange. We'll see if it's another difficult week for stocks, at least if you happen to own them. Right. Uh, Lucid hanging in there, actually, a bit more than certainly Rivian. So glad you, you mentioned just like that because a lot of people are short Lucid. And they were thinking that this January 20th expiration, which includes uh, expiration lockup, by the way, the Saudi private investment fund, that they would dump. Now, Adam Jonas says, look, that's actually a strategic investment. And the strategic meaning it pays for them to stay, as opposed to Ford Rivian, not a strategic investment. David, they're not going to loosen. Jonas thinks they're not going to sell. The Saudis, right, who yeah. own a big stake. They were an important part of putting that deal together, if you remember, back right. when it was CCIV and it was a SPAC, Michael Klein, and his relationship with the Saudis. But, yeah. Another thing. A lot of the hedge funds are short at betting that it's going to be a downside surprise to deliveries. It's basically saying that. They've kept expectations really low. And yet, David, because the Nasdaq's so bad, loose is down anyway. Loose is down. You know, Rivian, of course, last week, Carl, hit its IPO price or maybe even fell a bit below it. Wow. Unconcerned. The one. It's the one. Yep. As Jonas likes to call it. Actually, Tesla today gets uh, named a top pick. I know. And Goldman. Not a lot of bones to that. Uh, Boy, I've got to tell you, the damage that's happening to the market is totally masked by the banks, which make the Dow Jones average look so good. But now we're really starting to get, I mean, Nike was an institutional favorite. Lulu was an institutional favorite. Yep. I mean, they're not going to be made up by boot barn. And yep. it isn't like that. I mean, I, I just find that this market is treacherous. Uh, we need to see some stabilization in megatech, and we've not. By the way, at the big board this morning, uh, fintech company and Vestnet at the NASDAQ, it is the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. We are going to get... Um, JPM and City and Wells and BlackRock on Friday. How much is riding on it? Well, I, I think a, a great deal. But I also think that uh, you know, this is one where every single day that the, the tenure goes uh, down in price, up, up in yield, people get excited about this group. Now, they have to deliver incredible numbers. David, the expectations being created by the tenure is going to make it so a Bank of America has to say on the conference call, we are going to make a ton of money this year. And I don't know. They're a responsible company. I don't know if they're going to do that. Um, you don't. You don't know that they're going to actually articulate it, right. or you don't know that they're actually going to hit. No, why would they? Brian Moynihan is so not a hype artist. I think we've all come to know that Brian Moynihan, straight shooting guy. Yeah. And the one thing he doesn't do is say, you know what? Tenure's doing perfect for us. That's just not his style. The name that has benefited the most so far this year, and we say well, it's year, it's the been most five days, is, is Wells Fargo. Oh, my. I mean, well, it's no, up Wells almost 16%. Different. Wells is different because Charlie Scharf can say, listen, I've now completed, I've fired everyone. There's no one left. I mean, it would shock me if if there was anyone in the senior team that is now left. So that's Charlie Sharp, CEO, has a very compelling story to say. At the same time, the expectations. You have to remember that in 2018, this stock was at 60 before Janet Yellen took the wood to it, said that it had regulatory problems. So all it's doing is getting back to where it was in 2018. All the rest of the banks have soared. So it's a possibility he's playing catch-up. Uh, by the way, speaking of all this, it is the same old story this morning, financials and energy, uh, the only two sectors that are green. Oppie does name Amex a top pick uh, today. They say it's going to be a, a good year for card issuers relative to the S&P. I, I think it is. I think that the that was a spend call, that spending will be up this year. I think that that's a good call. Uh, stocks had a decent run, but it's, it's kind of like fintech light but bank heavy. 
Uh, the fintechs themselves, when I saw PayPal, it, we ran a headline, I don't know, like at 4.30, which just said, uh, PayPal discussing whether it might even do crypto. I mean, you know, a, a stable coin. And, you know, you can't put out that. Carl, I mean, you're either going to do it or you're not. And I knew PayPal was going to be down. PayPal was strong on Thursday, weak on Friday. These stocks, the fintech stocks, they are a nightmare problem. And Gensler's comments this morning about everything being regulated, if it's being sold to individuals, that just made everything even more fraught. Yeah. Wow, look at that. Uh, NVIDIA's given up another 4% today, Jim. You know, um, we've been talking a lot about cloud and software. Semis, relative to that, have held up as far as fundamentals go. But but more of the commodity semis. I mean, Micron's been really good. Uh, NVIDIA, uh, David, you know NVIDIA still has not declared that the uh, arm deal is over. But they had a great presentation Monday last week, a great presentation Tuesday, completely ignored by both the investors and the analysts. And they were throughout. I mean, I watched them, and they were quite collect press at the, a conference last week. The CFO said, listen, things are going much better than expected. It doesn't matter. People want out. High multiple. Again, uh, is this going to be something we're talking about three months, six months from now? Is it going to, going to be something we're talking about at the end of the year? Is this has been well, a very difficult year? Is it all dependent on rates, or do we hit some sort of point at which earnings come through. I, I think that and earnings, once again, this right. rotation from value uh, from growth to value reverses. So in that sense, we should be looking at Alphabet and uh, Meta platform because those are the two that actually are cheap. You know, they have a, I know. David, their multiples are well under a lot of consumer product companies. Yeah. And with incredible top line growth, right. at least as of the last couple of quarters. Um, I mean, Alphabet, which had a very good year last year, very strong in terms of the stock, is down over 7% so far this year. But, you know, Carl, let's say rates were uh, back to 175, or Jay Powell said something on tenure. Jay Powell said something saying, look, uh, Omicron, we really don't know the damage it's doing, so we're going to keep looking. Then you're going to get a big reversal. So I don't want to tell people, look, it's time to sell NVIDIA. I mean, NVIDIA is a great secular growth name. But I think a lot of people just say, I'm not waiting for the call. I just get me out. Yeah. Um, we're going to hear from Powell tomorrow. And then yeah. Brainerd, maybe some argue, just as important Thursday, uh, what a dove would say about the rate yes. environment. Uh, Costin, great note last night out of Goldman. Uh, stocks struggle when it, the pace of rates change. That was great note. And the last two, either a five-day or a one-month, does qualify as a two-plus standard deviation move. Well, I mean, I think that when he talked about four rates, rate boost. David, you know this game uh, is kind of like playing the over-under in football. It's like, well, I'm four. He's at cost is four. The guy who goes to five is staking out the territory of multiple rate hikes. And you know, it's almost as if there's a leapfrog game going on. And every time you hear that, all you want to do is sell high multiple. Right. Un- right. Until they become so cheap that you're saying, why am I selling a value tech name? But we're not near that, particularly when a uh, Uh, software as a service, but also in cybersecurity, where people are fleeing as if the bad guys have lost. And, you know, the bad guys haven't lost. No, but again, those are names that are extremely high multiple. They do have significant growth rates, but this is not a market for that right now, particularly with rates moving higher. Yeah, I get a lot of calls, Carl, in the lightning round. And I hate to say it, but I say, look, that company is losing money. No one's going to buy it. Uh, It seems like they'd rather buy Tilray which is on tonight. Oh, really? Yeah, to- I think it, the number two Wall Street bet search this morning. Well, it, it reported, I, you know, David always loves it. It's got a 
even Da David looks pretty good there, Tilray. Really, Tilray. Yeah, that's Erwin uh, Simon. Oh, uh, I know. Plus, they're changing the name. You know, this is really David. This is a name you got to look at, Tilray, okay. because people haven't cared about cannabis in a very long time. No, no, they don't care about cannabis. But uh, let's see what Erwin Simon. Wait till they Irwin start Simon advertising used- for cannabis on uh, on the NFL the same way they advertise now oh, so for online bet. If, for if Matt Damon does a cannabis ad, then we know. Then we know. Yeah, the future. Well, no, that's crypto. I know it's right, crypto. But who's, guys, who's I mean, the future the, favor? Who's the future favor? Future favor. Oh, oh, the bull, not the brave. Right, the bull. A lot of people, I checked it. Yes. Uh, you, it's possible you can do both bold or By the way, but that literally is the worst written ad I've ever seen. It's a bunch of words, means absolutely nothing. Who's that first guy he's pointing to when he's walking? <laughs> Who's thought, the guy who I didn't make it? I thought it was Fernando Magellan. Who is that said, guy? He yes, did Magellan, Magellan made it. Who didn't make it? the guy climbing up something? I think that was Mallory. That is the... Meanwhile, Take-Two Interactive is down 12%. Well, the future... The f- who... Strauss Zelnick says the future's in mobile gaming. He's but, bold? Yeah. Is he going to favor him? I, I don't know. I don't think he favors favor him. I think it's a brave they favor. But he's, he's coming up. And, How about uh, the young? How about the youthful? We're not going to talk about this the future pull-ups. favor the youthful? We're not going to talk about abs. We're going to talk about the deal of the day as uh, he is buying Zenga, of course. You didn't bite into that Tilray call that I made. 10% increase. I think that Sarah and Wilf have. They have. Erwin size. Yeah, late, late. By the way, you know he used to work at another company. Got it. Yes, I do. I remember. Erwin is irrepressible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, By the way, quick look at the bond report. We've been watching yields all morning long. A ten-year did get to close to one eight one. As we're watching the VIX as well above twenty one. Busy week, of course, with Powell and Brainerd on the hill uh, later in the week. We're back in a moment. of Take-Two Interactive are down sharply this morning. You've seen it down over 12%. This after announcing its plans to buy Zenga. Joining us now in a CNBC exclusive is Take-Two's chairman and CEO, Strauss Zelnick. And Strauss, it's great to have you this morning. Um, You know, your shareholders are seeing a a bit of losses pile up there. So what do you tell them as to why this is the right thing for Take-Two to do? Look, this is a transformative opportunity for us. Uh, this will position Take-Two as one of the largest publicly traded interactive entertainment companies in the world, with over 50% of our net bookings coming from the fastest growing segment in the business, mobile and free-to-play. It also positions us to grow our collection of owned intellectual property. One of the things that we love about Zynga is, like Take-Two, they have a multiplicity of great titles uh, that they control, many great titles, what they call forever franchises. Uh, we think that's a great opportunity going forward. You know, we've, it's early days, right? We've just announced this. But one of the things that we announced is, without regard to any revenue synergies, we expect the combined company to grow its top line about 14% annually for the next three years through our fiscal 24. And yet we've also identified a minimum of $500 million in annual revenue run rate synergies uh, by working together, uh, by improving the quality of our collective operations and by bringing new products to market. So we think it's it's extraordinarily exciting. Yeah. Uh, all right, listen, we do see, given there is a stock component here, there is sometimes a, a natural uh, arbitrage in terms of some people shorting the stock. But, you know, still down over almost 13%, Strauss. Not necessarily how you draw it up in the boardroom. Uh, what do you tell those shareholders right now? And what do you think in terms of the loss of, you know, almost 13% of your market value after you announce a transformative deal? Look, uh, the, the math is the math, and I think if you solely focus on the stock component and the premium paid, you can understand the trading pattern. 
However, we're building this company for the long term, and that's always been our approach. And while one would never want to be cavalier about one stock performance because they're real investors who are trading, uh, we are trying to build a business over a very long period of time. And we've never paid that much attention to intraday trading marks. We've paid attention to creating value for our players, for our colleagues, and most importantly, for our shareholders. And that's worked out over a very long period of time. I believe it will work out here as well. Now, Strauss, it's Jim, and it's always good to see you. Thank you for coming on our show. Thanks, Jim. Great one, to see you. One, one thing I was confused about, you, this is normally a level where if you weren't doing a deal, I think you'd be buying a lot of stock. That The stock has gotten quite cheap uh, versus where it has been. What do you do with the existential crisis of basically saying, listen, my stock is down so low, boy, I'd love to buy it, uh, but you're issuing stock? We are, and we have color around the transaction, which protects that, of course, within a range. Uh, and we did do a buyback recently. We bought back a great deal of stock at a, at a price of about 158. But as you know, we, we can't project around intraday movements. We have to make long-term strategic bets. And in the fullness of time, I believe this will prove to be a very successful one. Okay, so there's been some uh, disagreement about how much it matters, say, that uh, one of the two houses left uh, at Grand Theft, Dan, uh, that there have been some, uh, some defects in the new Grand Theft Auto. There's been a, uh, you have always held this, and we're not going to put out any game before it's time. Uh, can this smooth out what many of these analysts, although you have not, but smooth out a kind of a longer-term view that also adds mobile to make it so your earnings are less episodic? Unquestionably, uh, we expect our earnings to be less episodic. This will give us a larger, more diversified financial and creative footprint, and uh, we think that will benefit shareholders. And with regard to the GTA uh, trilogy, that was actually not a new title. That was a remaster of pre-existing titles. We did have a glitch in the beginning. That glitch was resolved, and the, the title has done just great for, for the company. So we're, we're very excited. Um, we have an amazing pipeline going forward. Zynga has an incredible pipeline going forward. Um, and together, we think we can do a whole lot more than what's already been announced. Um, Strauss, you mentioned the collar. The stock is trading below that collar, so that will have the effect of at least uh, bringing the value overall down a bit. There also was a 45-day go shop, which is not necessarily typical of a deal like this. Why was that uh, included? Why is that something you agreed to? Look, uh, Zynga's board requested that. The details uh, will be filed in the next couple of days. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we are protected in the event that the, the deal does not come our way in terms of a, a breakup consideration. Uh, we wanted to be as friendly as possible to the party with whom we're combining. Uh, and we believe that this deal will come to fruition because we think this deal makes the most sense for shareholders. Yeah. I mean, my understanding is there wasn't a competitive process, so this protects them. Do you expect that there might be another bidder here that wants to own a Zenga as much as you do? Uh, very hard for me to say. Um, and what about the competitive landscape overall? When you think about Look, EA or you think about Activision right now, uh, you know, uh, in terms of what you have now done with this deal, how are you positioned versus those competitors? Look, we've been saying for years, including including on this show, that the one burden that we couldn't resolve organically in the time frame we'd like to was scale. And to be uh, competitive, to address the most interesting opportunities in the future, and to deliver competitive operating margins, 
we needed scale, but it had to be a certain kind of scale. It had to be scale that was consistent with what we need to provide to our players, which is the best collection of owned intellectual property in the business. It had to be consistent uh, culturally as well to make sure that it worked. We're now um, on a pro forma basis um, at $6 billion in net bookings, growing 14% annually for the next three years. That puts us in a position where we are highly competitive with two bigger players in the business. Uh, and uh, I think scale will matter. Given the opportunity set that, that, that we see ahead, I think it matters yeah. more than ever. You know, you, you mentioned culture. Uh, there's always a concern on the part of shareholders. Perhaps it's even being reflected to a certain extent in your stock price right now that it's difficult to integrate. Uh, what assurances do you give your shareholder base that you know how to actually undertake this to make sure that uh, the cultures do mesh and that you do get those synergies that are so important to this deal you're talking about? They're fair questions. You know, we, we've gotten to know this management team over a very long period of time. Um, it's obviously a very friendly combination. And one of the key issues was, do we fit together culturally? Um, we're so excited that Frank Jabot and Bernard Kim are going to run the Zynga division, which encompasses T2 Mobile Games and Zynga's operations uh, inside the Take-Two family. And we're all on the same page about the way that we need to integrate. And of course, the real win is creating new revenue. Um, we will also be able to, to reduce costs as we ought to. But the, the exciting opportunities are all about taking our existing titles and marketing them more effectively. We're now gonna have a combined customer database of a billion records. I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary. And Zynga has great data analytics and the Chart Boost platform that will speak to everything that Take-Two is doing in mobile and free-to-play. Um, Zynga has ambitions in cross-platform titles. We have that expertise here. And we have great intellectual property that so far has been expressed on console and PC and has not been brought to mobile. We think we can bring that to mobile. And that is not reflected in the revenue synergies that we discussed. That's, that's incremental. Now, Strauss, I was out at NVIDIA recently, and it's very clear that Jensen Wong's got unbelievable ideas about the actual, I'm talking about lifelike, maybe more than lifelike characters, where you can insert them into current video games. Where are you with using uh, these new chips that NVIDIA has that make it so that it's not just lifelike, but it's just pure reality? So it, it's a great question. You know, we haven't talked about specific chip manufacturers. And, uh, you know, NVIDIA is a spectacular company, and I know a favorite of yours, Jim, uh, and, and it's been a great call. Uh, I've, I've said many times within the next five plus years, and it's always hard to call the exact timing, we're going to be able to make interactive entertainment that looks like live action, even though it's entirely created inside a computer. Now, not all titles will want to look that way. Um, in the same way that not all motion pictures today are live action, there's animation as well. There, there are numerous different creative expressions uh, in interactive entertainment. However, in certain instances, for example, sports games, basketball, I think you can expect that they will look more and more lifelike. And that's a result of what, uh, what technological advances are enabling our creative teams to do. And, you know, combined, we're going to have 8,000 uh, people who develop video games between the Zynga operation and the Take-Two operation. Wow. Uh, finally, you know, kind of on that note to a certain extent, even deals that don't appear any competitive on the face, and I would include yours hmm. amongst them, get a very tough review these days from the, either the DOJ or the FTC. What assurances can you give shareholders, in your belief at least, that you're going to be able to uh, pass 
uh, the regulatory review that's coming your way on an antitrust level? We feel good about it. You know, we're still smaller than than our biggest competitors, of course. Uh, we have a very diverse business. This is a huge market. We're still, in terms of the uh, percentage of the overall market, a relatively small enterprise. So we, we feel uh, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> All right. Strauss, uh, appreciate your joining us on this uh, important day for your company. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Take a break here this morning. S&P's working to hold 4,600, which we've not breached since December 21. Banks, S&P banks at an all-time high and Bitcoin uh, below 40K. A lot going on. We're back in a moment. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. One of the most important stocks to watch is Dell, which uh, Dell is meeting this weekend. By the way, there are some terrific comments that we've been getting about Dell and how cheap it is. Today it's Bernstein. Uh, I happen to think that that watching Dell is the exact opposite of, of watching what's happening in the high multiple tech. So the, the proof of the pudding about both the relationship with bonds, but also the notion of tangi- tangible Dell makes things that tangible. They have customers, they have cash flow, they have money on the, in the bank. That's what people want. So just watch Dell. Dell is going to be the determinant about whether there's going to be a reversion to the octaves of the world. Dell, a remarkably good company. Yeah, uh, Bernstein ups to outperform uh, this morning. Uh, How about tonight? Okay, I have Dexcom. Everyone has to pay attention to the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. Dexcom has been a remarkable stock. Uh, It's tight. It's it's glucose monitoring. And it's it kind of it's really invented the category. But by the way, Abbott Labs has something called Libra that's very good too. Medtronic, which we didn't get to, used to be a powerhouse in this. Medtronic's been the subject of multiple downgrades in the last few weeks. Uh, people are going to start questioning the execution of Medtronic. Yeah, got another one this morning. BTIG yeah. uh, goes to neutral. We've been talking about the pipeline there for a while. Yeah, now that's a stock that's down very, very big. And I remember when a couple of years ago it was under 100. It seems like it's headed there again. Jim, a lot to watch this week. Thank you. Yeah, buckle up. We'll get to see you tonight. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call. Text or chat 988 for free confidential support anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 